we do provide a range of different coffee from different regions, different varietals, different processing methods. And customers are really intrigued and they kind of want to go on the journey of discovery of coffee. A lot of times they need to sell the coffee straight away in order to pay the pickers and everything. So they will just deliver whatever they pick that week to an exporter or a cooperative or sell the parchment coffee and that's it. It gets blended. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. Today's the third and final part of our series exploring the Colombian coffee market. And today we're discussing the enduring appeal of Colombian coffee abroad. We speak with industry guru Tim Wendelbo about his passion for Colombian coffee and why it is so highly revered all around the world. But we start with Victor and Santiago Gomboa and Adnan Milwala, co-founders of Amanas Coffee Roasters in London. Beginning with a pop-up in 2018, the two brothers, Victor and Santiago, founded Hermanos with business partner Adnam, united by a vision to bring Colombian specialty coffee to the UK. They now operate nine sites and a roastery in London and a substantial online and wholesale business. In our conversation, Adnam, Santiago and Victor discuss adapting Colombian coffee to UK consumer preferences and how they communicate their Colombian heritage to their customers. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Santiago, tell us about the company. Uh, when did you set up Hermanos? Summer 2018, we started with a pop-up in Worthisto. And we did that because we, we just wanted to bring the uh, diversity that uh, Colombian coffee has. So we saw that there was that gap out there where we needed to bring or we wanted to bring all that that Colombia has got to offer in terms of coffee and, you know, to talk about the culture, to talk about the uh, the communities in Colombia, but also the farmers. I think that was that was the, the mission that we had. We need to bring that vibrancy that Colombia has got. And we wanted to, to show the UK that Colombia has got a huge range of coffees that no matter if it's only from one country, you, you're able to get very different flavor profiles because of the topography that the, Columbia, the, the country has. How do you select the coffees for your own business with all that variety? Yeah, it's not an easy process, but that's the part we enjoy the most. <laughs> we we go to Colombia quite often. Uh, we do an annual trip where the entire team goes. Uh, we take part of our, our trainers, uh, mm -hmm people from our shops, but at the same time, the three of us go and uh, we also take with us the marketing team. And uh, we go around the country looking for exactly that, that, that uniqueness, uh, you know, in different regions, in all the regions. I get to go probably more often to Colombia myself because I go and I visit those farmers directly uh, at least three times a, a year. So I'm trying to find and trying to go to different regions and look for, you know, in every corner of the country for those small farmers who are growing unique coffees unique varietals, but that they are not able to put it out there, you know, out there in the world. It must be a hard selection process because there, there must be many, many, many worthy farmers and you've got to make some tough choices. And so 
ultimately, what does it come down to when you're making that choice? I think we go through a lot of different samples. I think Santiago will attest to that. <laughs> that when we come back from Colombia, our suitcases are full of samples of coffee. Uh, and, and you're right. I, th- I think it is, it is a difficult process. I think we obviously take multiple considerations into mind. So there's the quality aspect of it, the uniqueness in terms of if there are some really unique notes that you know we see coming up in the coffee, which we might not have experienced before. So we try and kind of go for that. Uh, we also look for different fermentation processes that they might have used in the coffee. We look at different drying processes that they're using and sort of bring a variety ultimately that we can showcase from a commercial point of view. You know, we need to offer that variety to our customers as well, rather than kind of going for everything that's good, but might taste the same. And further to that, Adnan, what, what other things we might you look at rather than just the taste of the coffee? Some of the farms, as I mentioned, farmers, they've got really small uh, kind of thinkers or estates and uh, it doesn't put us off, right? So if they've got, we've bought farm, uh, coffee from farmers who've been able to supply us with five to six sacks of coffee, right? Uh, again, you know, there is an element of additional cost that we have to take on for that. But we think that farmer has potential. We, we, because of the fact that we are there in person, we can see what they're doing. We can see the... The, the kind of, you know, how they're putting the hard work into it. And we want to appreciate and we want to recognize that as well. So that's an added consideration that we do need to, we do take into account because one of the farmers that we've recently worked with, uh, the last recess coffee, you know, the, the impact has been directly that from being able to cultivate one varietal, which we bought the entire lot from them, uh, they were able to then invest in other varietals and expand the amount of coffee plants they have on their land as well, uh, and also invest in some of the infrastructure. So those considerations do become important because that's a key part of why we have set up Hermanos. The, the community aspect of supporting the farmer communities in Colombia was key to what we wanted to do, to be able to highlight them and their stories, understand their successes, understand their challenges and uh, make sure our business model is flexible enough to, to accommodate those. And how are UK customers responding to all these wonderful Colombian coffees? The response has been great. I think from uh, those early days uh, when we had our uh, little pop-up locations, uh, you know, we would be roasting outside and you'd have Santiago and Victor there with their Colombian hats on, roasting coffee, <laughs> drawing people with the aroma of the coffee. And people were curious, right? Because everyone's heard of Colombia. Colombia's got that reputation, right? So a lot of the groundwork has been done for us. Uh, and customers come in, they are expecting quality. They're expecting sort of fresh co- uh, coffee as well. And because of the way we are offering our product, we do provide a range of different coffee from different regions, different varietals, different processing methods. And customers are really intrigued and they kind of want to go on the journey of discovery of coffee. And, and we, we strive to make sure that our offering matches that expectation. Uh, so, you know, it, it creates a good conversation because we are able to communicate a lot of different aspects about the coffee itself, the farmers. Uh, I think, you know, Santiago and Victor being Colombian, they've got that direct connection there as well. And, you know, there's a lot of heritage that kind of comes to life uh, that customers uh, tap into and they want more. You know, they're kind of looking forward to what's next. So in store, um, Victor, how do you sort of tell that story 
to the customers? What are the main messages that you're kind of putting out there to your customers? What we're always trying to do is to communicate to our customers that we do a direct trade. That's a, that is extremely important for us, that they understand that we actually buy directly from the pharma. So the pharma gets a full benefit of what we do. And uh, we communicate that through our taste cards. We do also in a store, a, a, a stories of the farmers as well, uh, online as well. We try to we try to let our customers know who the pharma is. And, and we got that personal touch with them to the fact that, for example, we had a coffee from a, a farm that calls Frio, and we bought the entire lot and they had another lot. That it, that it was ready for that, that we bought it as well. So we spoke to the farmer. We said, what, what name do you want in this coffee? And she said, could you please put my grandma's name on that coffee? So we call it Maria Torres, which is our coffee that we got right now. What have you learned along the way, you know, to, that you maybe needed to adapt to a UK audience? What we've learned is that, obviously, you've got to offer what the consumer wants, and the consumer wants quality. Uh, from day one, we decided to do a specialty, and the consumer, every time they want more and they ask, uh, they are asking for more, we need to be at that pace and we need to be able to change fast enough to be able to respond to the demands of the consumers, because then otherwise we're going to be lagging behind. So it's, it's about keep keeping up the game, training in our people, training our staff, because we need to be ready to respond to that everyday demanding consumer. And I think the other thing to add there, like, you know, we've also seen demand for coffee pods as well that's come up and we've, you know, added to our product offering as well, in addition to sort of the, the roasted beans that we do sell through our shops. So we are kind of also matching that pace of what we see the UK market is progressing on what are the new kind of cold brew products as well, which are kind of gaining a lot of traction now. Uh, and we see that coming up. Uh, a lot in our shops, especially over the summer period. So it's about listening and being agile enough as a business to respond to those customer needs. So as a coffee shop operator, um, from a business perspective, what have you learned in those uh, several years since you started? Well, one of the things that we learned is that we need to be very consistent in everything that we do. Uh, need to be consistent in the customer service, speed, uh, because the customer, they forgive you, it should take a little bit longer, but they won't forgive you if you drop your quality. So you're going to need to keep on the top of it. But at the same time, the customer appreciate the quality. That's one of the things that we have learned quite a lot along the way. Um, when they walked into the stores and everything else, they see the vibrancy, the staff happy and everything else. They can see that infectious atmosphere that is in there and they will keep, they, they, they'll keep coming back for that. Uh, the moment that you drop the standards, that's when the, the, the consumer won't be there. But also, yes, exactly that, that diversity. We've learned that customers didn't know much about, yeah, they've heard of, oh, Colombian coffee, Colombian coffee, one of the best in the world. That's what, as Adnan said earlier, um, that groundwork has been done for us before with the Colombian Coffee Federation of, you know, putting the Colombian coffee out there in the world as one of the best ones. And people know that. What people didn't know is that huge diversity of coffee that range you know of coffees from all over the country that you know they they all taste like they all coming from a different country does that make green coffee from colombia more expensive than most other parts of the world colombian coffee 
can become or can be more expensive. Um, yeah, but there, there are many different factors there, not just because of the, uh, the diversity of the coffee there, but it's, it's more due to um, the infrastructure. Uh, being Colombia, um, developing country, the fincas are very remote areas where they can only access by you know, going on a horse or just walking, being able to bring that coffee from the farm to a drying station and then to a milling, it costs money. It needs, it requires more labor. And uh, those remote places are, are not actually benefiting from having a good infrastructure. And also they're adding to the fact that uh, raw materials, you know, for the, the, the ones that the farmers use for, you know, growing the coffee, fertilizers and all that are more expensive because we do not produce them. We import them. Uh, Colombia imports all that. And it, so then that has a knock-on effect on the final price at the end of the day. So it is, that's why it could become, and it probably sometimes it is more expensive, but obviously the quality is there, which is important. And UK consumers are happy to pay that little bit extra for that quality? Yes, they are. I, I think that uh, they see the quality and they see why are we charging those prices, which is one of our missions in store to communicate to the customers why the price of the coffee is what it is. Um, I think what, what one of the things that we're trying to do here is uh, our base drinks is probably a par with everyone else in specialty coffee. Uh, but our coffee bags is when we start to see the differentials there. But we tell the story. We say why. And uh, the people that are getting the benefit are the people that are producing the coffee. There is no middle person there that is getting the benefit. And the, co the consumer here in the UK is very conscious of that. And that's actually, that's one of the things that they keep asking. And every time that we are in the stores, they say, I want to know more. I want to know more. Please tell us more. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do now when we go to Colombia to doc document everything that we go there to be able to communicate here to our customers through our social channels. Santiago, Victor, Adnan, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you very much for inviting us. I was blown away by the endless variety of delicious Colombian coffees they have on rotation at Amanos. And it's clear that consumers in London can't get enough, and there's a genuine interest in learning about the origins of coffee. Now let's hear from Tim Wendelbo, former World Barista champion and a renowned specialty coffee roaster based in Oslo, Norway. In 2015, Tim's company purchased a seven-hectare coffee farm in the Huila region of Colombia with the goal to learn how to raise coffee quality and increase production with regenerative farming practices. Welcome, Tim. Thank you very much. Today's topic is Colombia. And we understand that you're quite a big fan of Colombian coffee. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. So, so much that I have actually bought a farm there. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm a, the ultimate fan. Be great to, to talk through that sort of the, the history that you have with Colombia and, and how it became what sounds like your favorite coffee destination. When I started my roasting company in 2007, um, I quickly understood that to, in order to get the highest quality coffees, you kind of had to take a little bit of control of the quality control yourself at the farm level. Um, there was plenty of coffee out there. It's just uh, not a lot of farmers were kind of doing the textbook processing and picking and everything. So uh, one of the first countries that I was invited to go to was Colombia. I went in December 
2007 and traveled around Colombia with a, a good friend of mine, Morten Wennersgaard, who is now uh, running Nordic Approach and um, also the exporter Alejandro Renjifo of Fairfield Trading, uh, who is a Colombian living in in the US actually. So he, uh, Alejandro took us around, uh, I think for like two or three weeks to different areas in Colombia. We visited many, many, many farmers. One of them was Mr. Elias Roa that I met in on his farm in Acevedo. I didn't uh, buy his coffee back then because his coffee was full of defects and ferment and <laughs> not great. So I ended up actually finding a farm in the municipality of Pital in Huila, um, a farmer called Alvaro Diaz. I bought his coffee a couple of years and then he decided to leave his farm. I didn't really know what to do because we had kind of established a professional relationship. Um, so I tried to look for some other farmers to work with. And uh, it took me a couple of years and then I met Elias Roa again. Uh, that was in 2011. He had just bought a big farm called Finca Tamana. Uh, it was situated right next door to the farm that I used to buy from, from Alvaro Diaz. Uh, and so I knew that, uh, there was potential for good quality there. And, uh, I asked Elias if he was willing to do a collaboration with me. So, um, I went there for a week, uh, worked with Elias closely in order to change how we picked, how we processed the coffee, how we dried the coffee. We committed to buy, I think 50 bags. And, uh, since then we have been working gradually uh, to, Im to improve, uh, everything on the farm. Uh, he is now using extremely small amounts of herbicides. He used to do a lot. Now he does it every maybe five years. Um, we plant shade trees. We change the varieties on the farm. We have completely changed the infrastructure on the farm. Um, he has a new wet mill, uh, you know, housing for the workers. He attracts the same workers every year. So they know how to pick coffee, how to sort coffee. We store the coffee differently. We we milled the coffee differently. When I went there the first time, there was one type of coffee and that was a mix of Validad Colombia and Katura. The quality was around 83 points on average. Um, today, the coffee is scoring around 86 points on average. We have at least nine different varieties that uh, is available. And some of them are scoring close to 90 points. I say we because <laughs> I'm kind of part of the family now. <laughs> Um, I bought a piece of land next door to him, uh, that used to be a part of his farm. Uh, it was just a open land with no coffee or anything. It had been grazed by cows for a while. And, uh, I started my coffee farm there in 2015. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure it out. My project is all about, uh, trying to grow the same amount and, but better quality coffee with no herbicides, no pesticides, no mineral fertilizer, just by the use of compost and microorganisms. So that's kind of my project. And what would you say is the real game changer in making that farm, um, <laughs> yeah, both more quantity and, and better quality? So I think uh, the starting point was that we, we started paying a good price for the coffee. Uh, regardless of the quality, we said the minimum price, I think we started at $3.50 and then we quickly came up to $5 per pound, uh, which meant that Elias was able to uh, earn money on his coffee and invest, reinvest the money in his farm. 
and it takes years to kind of get your head of, above water. So uh, the first years he invested in stuff that I didn't really see as being something that changed the quality, which was, you know, he built dormitories for the workers. He built a social area for the workers, a bigger kitchen because they feed the workers three times a day and they have 50 workers during the season. Um, he built showers and toilets for the workers, stuff like that, you know, and I was kind of impatiently waiting for him to change the mill, the dryers and everything. Um, but then, uh, after some years, he started to be able to invest in a new mill. He now has, I think 13 huge dryers where we do all shade drying and everything. It takes time because, um, for instance, if you have leaf rust on the trees, uh, the trees take, you know, two, three years to recuperate. And that really affects the quality. So you really need to think long-term in order to, to keep the quality. So I, I wouldn't say it's like one thing that has changed the quality from 83 to 86 points is that these small details, all of them contribute mm. so that you gradually move up. Mm. But, the, but the price has to be there. That's the, yeah. he has to make money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it does seem that he was quite um, forward thinking from investing first in in the team and the yeah. conditions for the workers so that they could, uh, you know, have, I guess have a stable workforce and a, a willing weight workforce. Yeah. But in general, you know, obviously spending a lot of time in Colombia itself and, and having a lot of contact with, um, coffee community in Colombia, what would you say are, are the sort of main characteristics of Colombia as a country, as a coffee producing country? I think uh, the, the biggest strength, strength is actually the people. Um, uh, Colombians are extremely hospitable. They are very eager to, to learn and to, to try their best. So I think, you know, uh, for me, the, the people is, ha is what has kind of uh, made me commit to Colombia. And that's the reason why I bought the farm there, because I met the right people. I mean, I could have easily bought better land with better potential elsewhere. But uh, you need uh, nice people to work with. And that's uh, kind of my, that's why my heart is in Colombia. <laughs> what do you think are the, some of the things holding back Colombian coffee abroad? Is there, is there anything that uh, would make Colombian coffee uh, either difficult to sell, be it costs, be it labor profiles? I, I think Colombia is first and foremost famous for producing pretty high quality coffee. But uh, if you start looking at the majority of the coffee, I would say it's high quality average coffee. They're very, very good at exporting clean, uh, you know, decent quality coffee that has a certain standard. And from what I see, some of the best coffees in Colombia can compete with the best coffees in the world uh, easily. And uh, they're extremely unique. It's just that a lot of those coffees, unfortunately, get lost in the, the, their bulk together made by blends. Um, because the farmers are, uh, I think on average, they own two hectares of land. So they might produce, you know, five to 20 bags per year. And, uh, a lot of times they need to sell the coffee straight away in order to pay the pickers and everything. So they will just deliver whatever they pick that week to an exporter or a cooperative or sell the parchment coffee. And that's it. It gets blended. Uh, so I think the, the potential is bigger than uh, what we're seeing today. The problem is uh, actually the buyers who are not willing to pay to separate those, to pre-finance coffee and pay a better price so that the farmers can actually keep the coffee until uh, someone 
who appreciates it, who wants to buy it. What do you think the future of Colombian coffee is going to look like internationally? I believe in general in, in the coffee industry that uh, cheaper coffee will become <laughs> worse <laughs> and um, more mass-produced and uh, the good coffees will become uh, more rare and more expensive. That's what I think. So uh, Colombia, one of the things they do have is a lot of small producers who are able to do have a very good job with the coffee uh, if they have buyers for it. So I think, you know, uh, trying to focus on uh, specializing um, could be a way forward. And I've also seen uh, some models uh, that looks very interesting where companies or group of farmers, they actually build a slightly larger mill together, right. uh, almost like a cooperative and uh, yeah. where they highly specialize in processing uh, they share seeds, so they plant different varieties. Um, so I think that could be a possible uh, way to kind of get away from the commodity thing and uh, moving into more high-quality coffee. That's been fabulous. Thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. No problem. Tim highlights the challenges a lot of small farmers are facing in Colombia. He says... A lot of great coffee gets lost in blends as many small farmers just don't have the time or resources to get the best price for their coffees and end up selling below the cost of production. And what is so special about Colombia is the pride and integrity of its people. The last three episodes on Colombia have been deeply insightful and I hope you've enjoyed these conversations as much as I have. It was incredible to understand, due to its unique microclimates, the vast varieties of coffee that Colombia has to offer. These conversations have given me a real appreciation of Colombian coffee and the pride and passion that all Colombians have for their national drink that is so enjoyed all across the world. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. And if you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly Coffee Dose, our newsletter collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. Links are in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Serendipia, by London-based Colombian artist Eliana Echeverri. Until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay drinking Colombian coffee.